ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار We continue with the 40 hadith of Al-Imam An-Nawawi rahimahullahu ta'ala. In the last class we had arrived to the narration an Umm Al-Mu'mineen, Umm Abdullah Aisha radiyallahu anha, qalat, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, man ahdatha fi amrina hadha ma laysa minhu fahuwa rad. رواه البخاري ومسلم وفي روايه لمسلم من عمل عملا ليس عليه امرنا فهو رد the narration we arrived to is al-hadith al-khamis the fifth hadith on the authority of the mother of the believers the mother of Abdullah Aisha may Allah be pleased with her she said that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said whoever introduces something in this affair of ours that is not from it it is rejected and this narration is collected in the sahih of imam bukhari and the sahih of imam muslim then there is another narration in the sahih of imam muslim Whoever does an action that does not have our affair over it, it is rejected. We covered in the last class that this narration is a foundation as it relates to al-a'mal al-zahira, the outward actions. The hadith of Umar ibn al-Khattab, where he mentioned that the Prophet said actions are based upon the intentions. That narration is a foundation as it relates to that which is inward. Actions are based upon the intentions, meaning that which is within the heart. So that's inward. But this hadith 
or this narration on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha, it is related to that which is outward. And we covered in order for a person's deeds to be accepted by Allah, one must fulfill two conditions. Number one, the act must be done sincerely for the sake of Allah. And that's the hadith of Umar. Actions are by intentions. And number two, the act must be in accordance to what the Prophet ﷺ came with. And this is the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا Therefore, whoever hopes with the meeting with his Lord, then let him work righteous actions. Here, righteous actions meaning actions that are in accordance to the deen. Actions that agree with that which the Prophet ﷺ, he came with. This is the righteous action. So let him work righteous action and not associate anyone in the worship of his Lord. That's the sincerity. When he worships Allah, that he is not making for Allah any partner. That the ibadah is solely for the sake of Allah Azza wa There is also a narration in the Sunan of Abi Dawood. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he stated, Man sona'a amran ala ghayri amrina That whoever makes up a matter upon other than our affair, it is rejected. Meaning, whoever makes up something new in the religion. And there is no justification in the religion for this act. Then the act is rejected or the matter is rejected. And here, the scholars have mentioned that bid'ah can be in the statements, bid'ah can be in actions, and the bid'ah can be in the creed, which what a person believes. These are the three areas where innovation takes place. Speech, actions, and a person's belief. In all cases, anything that is newly invented in the religion, it is not accepted. And the reason why it's not accepted, because the deen is complete and perfect. And we covered this in the last class. Based upon the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمْ إِسْلَامَ دِينًا That's Surah Al-Ma'idah, Surah 5, verse number 3. That today, I have completed for you your religion. And I perfected my favor upon you. And I am pleased for you, Islam, as your religion. Al-Hafid ibn Kathir, he said, هَذِهِ أَكْبَرُ نِعْمِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى عَلَى هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ حَيْثِ أَكْمَلَ تَعَالَى لَهُمْ دِينَهُمْ فَلَا يَحْتَاجُونَ إِلَى دِينِ إِلَى دِينٍ غَيْرِ وَلَا إِلَى نَبِيٍ غَيْرِ غَيْرِ نَبِيِّهِمْ صَلَوَاتُ اللَّهِ وَالسَّلَامُهُ عَلَيْهِ الحافظ بن كثير he stated this is the greatest of the blessings of Allah upon this ummah. Being that He has completed for them their religion. It's the greatest blessing. That Allah has completed for the Muslims, this ummah, their religion. Therefore, they are not in need of another religion. 
and they are not in need of a prophet other than their prophet. May the salah and the salam of Allah be upon them. Walihada Ja'alahullahu ta'ala khatam al-anbiya. So for this reason, Allah has made him, meaning the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the seal of the prophets. So we're not in need of a new religion. We're not in need of a new prophet. We're not in need of a new book. What we have is sufficient for us. Also, Al-Hafidh ibn Kathir, he went on to say, وَكُلْ شَيْءٍ أَخْبَرَهُ أَخْبَرَ بِهِ فَهُوَ حَقٌّ وَصِدْقٌ لَا كَذِبْ فِيهِ He says, everything that he has informed us of, meaning everything the Prophet ﷺ has told us, it is truth, or it is the haq, and it is sidq. It is correct, and it is truthful. And there is no lies in that which the Prophet ﷺ has informed us of. And the Prophet ﷺ, he speaks as the messenger from Allah. So whatever the Prophet has informed us of regarding the deen, this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وَمَا يَنْتِكُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُحَىٰ And he, meaning he the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He doesn't speak from his desires It is only revelation that is revealed to him So when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam informs us about something From the affairs of the deen This is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala This is not coming from himself and with that being said, then we can have surety and certainty that the Prophet ﷺ brought to us that which is perfect and complete. Because it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah he mentions, وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكْ صِدْقًا And the word of your Lord is completed as it relates to truthfulness and justice. And is sidqan fil akhbar. The word of your Lord is truthful as it relates to what Allah has informed us of. And this also includes what the Prophet ﷺ informed us of. Because this is from Allah. And it is just as it relates to al-awamir wa nawahi. It is just as it relates to the commandments and the prohibitions. فَلَمَّا أَكْمَلَ لَهُمْ الدِّينَ تَمَّتْ عَلَيْهُمُ النِّعْمَةِ So when Allah has completed for the Muslims, completed for this ummah, the religion, then the blessing has been completed upon them. So with that being said, with the deen being complete and perfect, then there is no room to add anything to the religion or to take anything away from the religion. The Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, مَا تَرَكْتُ شَيْئًا مَمَّا أَمَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ بِهِ إِلَّا وَقَدْ أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِهِ 
وَلَا شَيْءٍ مِمَّا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ إِلَّا وَقَدْ نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْهُ I have not left anything from that which Allah has commanded with except that I commanded you with it. And I have not left anything that Allah has prohibited except that I have certainly prohibited you from it. Meaning that the Prophet ﷺ conveyed the entire deen. The Prophet did not hide anything from the religion. The Prophet ﷺ did not hide anything from the religion. So anyone who's coming with something new, and we covered this before, it is as if they're saying that the religion is not complete. So we have to add this. Or they're saying that the religion is complete, but the Prophet, he did not tell you about this matter, which would mean he concealed something that Allah commanded him to, to convey, and this is incorrect. The Prophet sallallahu he mentioned, إِنِّي تَرَكْتُكُمْ عَلَى مِثْلِ الْبَيْضَاءِ لَيْلُهَا كَنَهَارِهَا لَا يَزِيغْ عَنْهَا بَعْدِ إِلَّا هَالِكَ The Prophet ﷺ said, Indeed, I have left you upon that which is clear and white. Its night is like its day. No one deviates from it after me except for the one who is destroyed. So anyone who deviates away from that which the Prophet ﷺ left the Muslims with, then this individual is destroyed. There is a narration that one of the Yahud, he said to Salman al-Farisi radiallahu an, لَقَدْ عَلَّمَكُمْ نَبِيُّكُمْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى خَرَعَ The Yahudi, he said to Salman, your Prophet has taught you everything. Even the mannerisms of how to relieve yourself. Salman, he said, Ajal, indeed he did. And then he went on to mention the mannerisms of relieving oneself. But the point here is that one of the Yahud testified that the Prophet Muhammad taught us everything. Even the point of how to use the bathroom, the mannerisms of using the bathroom or relieving oneself. So if the Prophet taught us the mannerisms of how to use the bathroom, how can one think that he didn't teach us everything we needed to know as it relates to how to worship Allah and how to believe in Allah? Huh? Right. And this is a serious point here. The Prophet taught us how to use the bathroom or to relieve ourselves. So can one fathom that he didn't teach us how to believe? He taught you how to clean yourself after you relieve yourself, but he didn't teach you how to believe properly. So we now we need a shaykh to come and give us a new belief. He taught us how to relieve ourselves and how to clean ourselves, but he didn't teach us how to pray properly. He didn't teach us how to fast. He didn't teach us how to make hajj. Come on. The mannerisms of 
relieving yourself and cleaning yourself afterwards, this is related to physical hygiene, without a doubt. And following his way and doing so is a matter of worship. But it's related to the physical, outward matters of purification. The matters of ibadah, the matters of creed are more important. How to believe, how to worship Allah properly, that's more important than how to relieve yourself and clean yourself. And even though that's important too, everything in the deen is important. But there are things that are priority and more important than others. When the Prophet ﷺ, he came, his call was to teach the people how to properly believe in Allah and to worship Allah alone. The call to Tawheed. And then you find that later on the rules and regulations they came. But the foundation is the belief. And the foundation is to properly worship Allah alone. And again, everything in Al-Islam is important. We do not downplay anything from the deen. Because remember, the Prophet ﷺ, he walked past two graves. And the Prophet mentioned that these individuals in the graves, they were being punished in their graves for something that they deemed to be small, but with Allah was great. One of them, when he would relieve himself, he would not protect himself from the impurities getting on his garments. And the other one used to go about carrying tales and gossip, causing friction between the people. So the Prophet ﷺ, he took a a branch from the date palm tree and broke it in half and stuck one in one grave and the other in the other grave and he said that he prayed that Allah will lighten their punishment until the leaf dries up so the point here the individual who did not properly relieve himself and was negligent as it relates to not getting impurities upon himself, he was he's be, he was punished in the grave. So we don't downplay anything in the deen. But the point here is that number one, one of the Yahud testified that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu taught the Muslims everything, and then he said even the mannerisms of relieving yourself. Meaning even to the point of Him teaching you how to relieve yourself And to clean yourself So For sure He taught us everything That is greater than that And Salman He said Ajal yani Indeed he did So every matter of innovation in the deen it is misguidance the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he would address the people 
And he will praise Allah. And then he will say, مَن يَهْدِهِ اللَّهُ فَلَا مُضِلَّ لَهُ وَمَن يُضْلِلْ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَخَيْرُ الْحَدِيثِ كِتَابُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَالِ وَخَيْرُ الْحَدِيثِ هَجُ مُحَمَّدٍ صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he would say when he would address the people this is from the hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah whoever Allah guides no one can mislead this person and whoever Allah misleads then there is no guide for him and the best speech is the book of Allah Azza wa Jal. And the best guidance is the guidance of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the most evil of the affairs are the newly invented matters, and every newly invented matter is innovation. Another narration, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned, إِيَّاكُمْ وَمُحْدَثَاتِ الْأُمُورِ فَإِنَّ كُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالًا Be aware of the newly invented matters, for every innovation is misguidance. So here the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he states that every innovation is misguidance. And we covered that the innovation that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is referring to is innovation where? In what? In the religion, in the religious affairs. As for the worldly affairs, technology, the scientific findings, advancements and the likes, this is not being referred to here. And the origin of those things, the technology and the newly invented matters and the worldly affairs is that it's permissible until it is established that this is something that goes against Islam. But other than that, the origin of the worldly affairs, the technology that we have today, is that it is permissible to use and to benefit from. But as for in the deen, in the religious affairs, all of it is misguidance. All of it. Because the Prophet, he said that every innovation is misguidance. You have some who have mentioned that there is what is known as al-bid'ah al-hasana good innovation meaning in the deen in the deen and some have even mentioned that innovation is divided into the five categories of responsibility al-wajib al-muharram al-mustahab al-maqroo and al-mubah so they say that there is innovation that is obligatory. And then there's innovation that is prohibited. And innovation that is recommended. And innovation that is disliked. And innovation that is uh, merely permissible. And this is incorrect. This is incorrect. If something is obligatory in the deen, then it's the deen. It's not, it's not considered to be innovation. If something is recommended in the deen, then it's the deen. It's not something w which would be considered uh, innovation. But there are some proofs that some use to justify 
the statement that there is a such thing as good innovation. And before we mention the proofs, one thing that they use is their intellects. And they put their intellect before the text. And this is a danger. Because we're never to put our personal feelings or beliefs before what Allah and the Messenger have said. Why? Because Allah, He says, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu la tuqaddimu bayna yadayillahi wa rasuli. All you who believe, don't put yourself before Allah and His Messenger. Can't put yourself before Allah and the Messenger. Meaning, we have to follow. We are servants of Allah. We don't have the right to make up things in the religion and say, okay, I, I view this as being good. Or this is a good practice that we should do now. There is a narration on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu anhuma, where he said, كل بدعة ضلالة وإن ورآها الناس حسنة Abdullah bin Umar, he said, every innovation, meaning in the religion, is misguidance, even if the people see it as being good. Even if the people think it's good, it's still considered misguidance because the religion is complete and perfect. Also, we have the statement, كُلُّ بِدَعَةٍ ضُلَالَ وَإِنْ وَرَآهَ النَّاسِ حَسَنَةً that every innovation, meaning in the religion, is misguidance, even if the people see it as being something good. And why? Because again, Allah completed and perfected the deen. So if Allah completed the deen and perfected it, no one can come and, and, and make a change to something that Allah has perfected. Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he said, Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he said, follow, meaning follow what Allah revealed, and don't make up things, don't innovate, meaning in the religion, for you have been sufficed. And every innovation is misguidance. These are words from the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum ajma'een, and their stance against the newly invented matters. Another narration is what took place in the time of the Sahaba, after the death of the Prophet wasallam in Iraq. Uh, and the narration is on the authority of Amr ibn Salama. He said, we were sitting at the door of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud in the morning. So when he would come out, we would walk with him to the masjid. So one day we were sitting and Abu Musa al-Ashri came. This is another Sahabi. So he said that, Abu Abdurrahman come out yet? Meaning did Abdullah bin Mas'ud come out? So they said no. So then he sat with us and waited for Abdullah bin Mas'ud to come out. And then when Abdullah bin Mas'ud came out, we all stood up to go with him to the masjid. So Abu Musa al-Ashri said to him, Ya Abu Abdurrahman, inni ra'aytu fil masjid anifan amran, ankartuhu wa lam ara walhamdulillah illa khayran. He said, Oh father of Abdurrahman, I just seen something in the masjid. I just seen a, something happening in the masjid. And I rejected it, but by the praise of Allah, I only seen good. So he said, Famahua, what did you see? He said, Anishd, Fasatarahu. He said, If you live, you're going to see it. 
And then he said, رَأَيْتُ فِي الْمَسْجِدْ قَوْمًا حَلَقًا جُلُوسًا يَنْتَذِرُونَ الصَّلَاةِ فِي كُلِّ حَلَقَ رَجُلٌ وَفِي أَيْدِيهِمْ حِصَّةٌ فَيَقُولْ كَبِّرُوا مِئَةٌ فَيُكَبِّرُونَ مِئَةٌ فَيَقُولْ هَلِّلُوا مِئَةٌ فَيُهَلِّلُونَ مِئَةٌ وَيَقُولْ سَبِّحُوا مِئَةٌ فَيُسَبِّحُونَ مِئَةٌ He said, I seen in the masjid people sitting in circles and they were waiting for the salat. And at the head of each circle there was a man And in their hands they had like pebbles So the one who was in, at the head of the circle He would say, say Allahu Akbar 100 times And then they would start counting with the pebbles Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar And then the man would say, say La ilaha illallah 100 times And then they would start counting with the pebbles La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah and then he would say, say subhanallah 100 times. And he would say, subhanallah. So the people would say, subhanallah. So Abdullah bin Mas'ud said, فَمَاذَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ What did you say to them? Abu Musa al-Ashri said, مَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ شَيْئًا I didn't say anything. انْتِذَارَ رَأْيَكَ أو انْتِرَارَ أَمْرِكَ He said, I didn't say anything to them. I was waiting to see what was your view. Because remember Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he's like a, a senior companion. He he's one of the people that the people refer to, the Sahabas refer to for fatawa and the likes. So he said, I was waiting to see what you was going to say. Waiting to see your view. He said, Afala amartahum sagiatihim. He said, Shouldn't you have commanded them to count up their evil deeds? And given them also the guarantee that nothing from their good will be wasted. Thumma Then he left. Abdullah bin Masood, he went to the masjid. So they said, we went with him. Until he came to one of these circles. He stood over them. He said, what is this I see you doing? قَالُوا يَا أَبَا عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَانِ حَصَّنْ نُعُدْ بِهِ التَّكْبِيرِ وَالتَّهْلِيلِ وَالتَّصْبِيرِ They say, oh Father of Abdul Rahman, these are just pebbles that we're using to count the statement Allahu Akbar and the statement La ilaha illallah and the statement Subhanallah. قَالَ فَعُدُّ سَيِّئَاتِكُمْ Abdullah bin Masrur said, count your evil deeds. فَأَنَا ضَامِنْ أَنْ لَا يُضِعْ مِنْ حَسَنَاتِكُمْ شَيْءٍ he says, but I give you the guarantee, nothing from your good is going to be wasted. Then look what he says, وَيْحَكُمْ يَا أُمَّةَ مُحَمَّدٍ Woe to you, O nation of Muhammad. مَا أَسْرَعْ حَلَكَتِكُمْ How quick you are to go to your destruction. هَأُولَى صُحَابَةُ النَّبِيِّكُمْ مُتَوَافِرُونَ He said, these are the companions of your Prophet and they are widespread. وَهَادِهِ ثِيَابُهُ لَمْ تُبْلَى And these are his clothing, meaning the clothes of the Prophet, they are not decayed. وَآنِيَتُهُ لَمْ تُكْسَرْ And these are his, uh, like the pots and his utensils, they haven't broken. What he means by this, the Prophet just died. Meaning, his clothes haven't decayed and his utensils are still intact. So meaning, the Prophet just died. But look, you all doing these things, the companions are widespread and the Prophet just died. He said, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِي إِنَّكُمْ لَعَلَى مِلَّةِ أَهْدَى مِنْ مِلَّةِ مُحَمَّدِ أَوْ مُفْتَثِحُوا بَابِ دُلَالَةِ 
He said, I swear by the one whom my soul is in his hands. Meaning Allah, indeed you are upon a path that is more guided than the path of Muhammad wasallam, or you are opening up a door to misguidance. See, Abdullah bin Mas'ud is reprimanding them. For what? Saying Allahu Akbar counting with stones and sitting in circles. قَالُوا وَاللَّهِ يَا أَبَا عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَانِ مَا أَرَدْنَا إِلَّا الْخَيْرِ They said in response, We swear by Allah, O Father of Abdul Rahman, we only intended to do good. قَالْ وَكَمْ مِنْ مُرِيدٍ لِلْخَيْرِ لَنْ يُصِيبَهِ He responded to them by saying, How many times people want to do good, but they never attain it. And then he said, إِنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ حَدَّثَنَا أَنَّ قَوْمًا يَقْرَؤُونَ الْقُرْآنَ لَا يُجَاوِزْ تَرَاقِيَهُمْ He says, indeed the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم informed us that there's going to come a people who recite the Qur'an, but it doesn't go past their collarbones, meaning they don't have understanding. They read well, but they don't understand what they're reading. And then he said, بَعَ اللَّهُ مَا أَدْرِي he says, and by Allah, I don't know, probably most of them is from you. And then he left them. The narrator, he says, He said, we seen the majority of those people who were sitting in those circles, fighting against us on the day of Nahrawan along with the Khawarij. Why did Abdullah bin Mas'ud reprimand him? And they were only making dhikr, saying, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. These statements are the most beloved statements to Allah. SubhanAllah, Allahu Akbar These statements are the most beloved statements to Allah So is Abdullah bin Mas'ud Is he criticizing him for them making the statements Or is he criticizing him for the mannerisms that they are The mannerisms Because making dhikr is from the deen But how they were going about it Was not something that the Prophet taught That's why he said Either you are upon a path more guided than the path of Muhammad wasallam, or you are opening up a door to misguidance. Because the Prophet wasallam never taught the Sahaba to sit in circles, and then one at the head of them commands the other to say Allah, and then count with stone. And he had the ability to do that. He had the ability. So if this was something that was from the deen, then the Prophet would have taught him to do that. But he didn't. And this is why he said, or oh, you are opening up a door... To misguidance Another point from that narration That the scholars have extracted Is that Small innovation Leads to big innovation A person starts off Doing something small Or adding something small To the deen But then it leads to that which is greater As in this case You have the majority of those individuals started off counting the dhikr on stones and then ended up fighting against the Sahaba who were the best or who are the best of mankind after the prophets and messengers.
Abdullah bin Mas'ud he said, "Walau taraktum sunnatan nabiyyikum ladalaltum." That if you abandon the sunnah of your prophet, you would go astray. You will go astray. Tayyib. You have those who say, but there are proofs that establish that there is a such thing as good innovation in the deen. From those proofs, is the narration on the authority of Abdullah bin Mas'ud. He said, مَا رَآهُ الْمُسْلِمُونَ حَسَنًا فَهُوَ إِنَّ اللَّهِ حَسَنًا وَمَا رَآهُ الْمُسْلِمُونَ سَيِّئًا فَهُوَ إِنَّ اللَّهِ سَيِّئًا Whatever the Muslims view as being good, then it is good with Allah. And whatever the Muslims view or see as being evil, then it is evil with Allah. So what's the angle here? They say, well, the Muslims view this act as being good. So that means it is good with Allah. This cannot be used as a proof. For uh, a number of reasons One of the reasons Is that Number one What is intended By Abdullah bin Mas'ud The Sahaba Radiallahu anhum ajma'in They are the first Muslims any time you find a praise in the Qur'an or a praise in the authentic narrations for the Muslims or the righteous, that praise first and foremost is applicable to the companions. It's never going to be that the praise skips over them and then it refers to the, those come after them. Because the Prophet said, The best of the people is my generation. And then those who follow, and then those who follow. So the Sahaba, they are the best of the Muslims. After the Prophets and the Messengers. There, there is no group of Muslims better than the Sahaba. Except for the Prophets and the Messengers. So the first Muslims are the best Muslims. So that first and foremost applies to them more so than anyone else. And there is another narration where the Prophet wasallam mentioned... إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَجْمَعُ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ عَلَى ضَلَالَةٍ أَبَدًا That indeed Allah will never unite my nation upon misguidance. Meaning, first and foremost the Sahaba, they will never unite upon something that's wrong. Never. When the Sahaba differ, somebody is right from amongst them. And the truth doesn't leave them. The truth never leaves the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. Based upon that statement of the Prophet ﷺ. Also Allah, He mentions in the Qur'an, He's pleased with them. وَالسَّابِكُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُحَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ تَبِعُهُمْ بِأَسَاءَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ 
The first and the foremost to accept Islam from the muhajireen, the migrants, and the ansar, and the helpless, and those who follow them. Allah is pleased with them, and they are pleased with Him. So the companions, their ijma, their uh, consensus is the original consensus. That doesn't mean that there cannot be a consensus afterwards, but that's the original consensus. And the companions will never unite upon something that is wrong. Because if the Sahaba unite upon something that is wrong, then that means the best of the Muslims have united upon misguidance, and that's impossible. Yes, it's possible that companions, the companions differ in the matter, and one group is wrong, but the other one is correct. That's possible. But all of them being incorrect, and then someone else coming after them being correct, that's impossible. Because remember, they are the ones who conveyed the religion. After the Prophet died, they are the ones who taught the people the Quran. They are the ones who taught the people how to pray. They are the ones who taught the people how to fast. So these are the ones who carried the religion after the death of the Prophet Another point This is the statement of Abdullah bin Mas'ud. And let's just say for argument's sake, and this is not the case, that his statement means that any group of Muslims who view something as being good, then it is good with Allah. Let's just say for argument's sake, any group, even if it's not all of the Muslims, even if a small group of Muslims view a matter being good, then it's good with Allah. The statement is rejected because it goes against the statement of the Prophet that all innovation is misguidance. But again, that's not the intent of Abdullah bin Mas'ud. So that's the other angle why that statement cannot be used as a proof. Other scholars they say. What's intended by the Muslims, meaning Ahl al-Ijma, the people of consensus, meaning the scholars. The scholars of the deen, the people who their views are taken into consideration. And they say what's intended is the Ijma of the Sahaba. And there's... There is added words to this narration. It states that Allah, He looked at the hearts of His servants after... No, Allah, He looked at the hearts of the servant and found the best heart to be the heart of the Prophet Muhammad And then after the heart of the Prophet Allah looked at the hearts of the servants and He found the best of the hearts to be the companions. So he made them the ambassadors of his prophet. So whatever the Muslims view as being good, it is good with Allah. Who? The Sahaba. Also, there is an added wording that the Sahaba, they viewed that Abu Bakr was to be the Khalifa after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So his statement wasn't related to them picking Abu Bakr to be the leader after the Prophet ﷺ. 
Another proof that is used is the narration in which Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an he commanded that the people be gathered together behind one imam and the imam leads them in the night prayer in Ramadan which we know as the Taraweeh because in the time of Umar as well as in the Khilaf of Abu Bakr the companions and the Muslims were praying separately one group over here, one group over there, one group over here, a person like that so in the Khilafah of Umar, Umar commanded that everybody pray behind one Imam instead of everyone praying in different groups and so they followed the commandment of Umar and they all pray behind one Imam and when Umar he seen this, he said Ni'mat Al-Bid'ah Hadihi This is a good Bid'ah This is a good Bid'ah So the people they say You see There's good Bid'ah in the Deen Umar bin Khattab he said it Yes he said it But there is a response to this Number one The act a praying behind one imam during the night in Ramadan is not something new in the religion. In reality. Why? Because the Prophet himself did it, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he came out one of the nights during Ramadan and he prayed and the people gathered behind him and they prayed behind him. And then the Prophet ﷺ came out the next night and then more people came out and prayed behind the Prophet ﷺ. Right? This is Ramadan. He's the Imam and the people are praying behind him. And then the third night, the same. Or one narration that he did not come out the third night. But the people gathered. They was waiting for him to come out because now the news started to spread. The Prophet is leading the people at night in Ramadan in the masjid. So everybody's coming to pray behind the Prophet. But that last night he didn't come out. And then the next morning, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned why he didn't come out. He said, Khashit an Tufrat alaykum. He said, I feared that this matter will be made obligatory upon you. And you won't be able to do it. So the Prophet didn't come out for that reason. That if it was continued, maybe Allah may have made it obligatory upon the Muslims to pray during the night in Ramadan and then we don't have the ability to do it. So the Prophet, he stopped coming out. The scholar said once the Prophet died, then that fear is removed. Why? I said it again. Ahsan. Because once the Prophet died, revelation comes to an end. So nothing is going to be made obligatory that wasn't already obligatory. Because the revelation has stopped. Quran is complete, Sunnah is complete, Deen is complete. The Prophet, he 
went on to the mercy of his Lord. That's it. So there's no more fear now. But what happened in the Khilafah of Abu Bakr, they never went back to that act of praying behind one imam. So everyone would just pray separate or the groups would pray separate. And likewise, in the beginning of the Khilafah of Umar ibn Khattab, the people were praying separately. And then Umar, he commanded that the people gather behind one imam. Never, it's not, it can't. Because once the Prophet died, that's it. So it can't be something uh, obligatory. That wasn't obligatory during the time of revelation. So now, Umar commands the people to do something that was already done by the Prophet And then when he sees it, he says, this is a good bid'ah. How do we bring harmony between the statement of Umar that this is a good bid'ah and the fact that the Prophet did it? Upon you is my way and the way of the rightly guided Khalifas. But what's the meaning of the statement of Umar? Good bid'ah. No. He used the word bid'ah. <laughs> he said it. What the Prophet said, every newly invented matter is innovation. Every innovation is misguidance. Every misguidance in the hellfire. The one who said that, he didn't see Rasulullah. No, no, this is Umar. He's seen Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa It's clear. Umar said this. Umar wa Khattab radiyallahu an, a Khalifa al-Rashid. He said it. He said good bid'ah. And this is the proof people use to say there's good bid'ah in the deen. How do you bring harmony? Because we know for sure there's no good bid'ah in the deen. So how do we understand Umar's statement? Rasulullah did two days. So it is Umar said it on the first night when they got together. But Rasulullah did salah two days. The only reason he stopped because he was afraid. No, he he was afraid that Allah may make it obligatory. He didn't say you cannot pray. So he did it. Umar will follow that two days for Allah. No, but then you have other narrations where the Prophet said, whoever prays with the Imam at night during Ramadan, until he finishes the prayer, he gets the reward for praying the whole night in Ramadan. Mm. <laughs> the usage of the word bid'ah here is from the linguistic meaning of it, not from the legislative meaning. Linguistically, bid'ah means to do something new. That's it. Something that's new. When Umar said this is a, a, a good bid'ah, meaning this is a good thing that we're starting new in his khilafah. Not something new in the religion because the Prophet himself already did it. And also you have narrations that point to praying behind an imam. The narration I just mentioned. 
that whoever prays with the Imam from, from the time he started to the time he ends, he gets the reward for praying the entire night. This is in Ramadan, Fakiyamulay. So it's indicated that this is something that's legislated. And also the Prophet himself did it. Another point, all of the Sahaba agreed. In that time, they all agreed. And no one objected to praying behind one Imam. And this is what started the people back praying behind one Imam in Ramadan when Umar reestablished the practice that the Prophet did. See, now it, there's no problem of establishing this practice because there's no fear that what? It's going to be made obligatory because with the death of the Prophet, the revelation is cut off. And that's the only reason the Prophet stopped. He said it. I feared that it would be made obligatory upon him. That's why he stopped. Had the fear not been there, he would have continued. But this is the time of tashirir, it's the time of legislation. So perhaps Allah may have sent down revelation. Okay, this prayer is obligatory now. And this was from the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ upon the ummah, that he didn't want something to be placed upon them that they will not have the ability to do, and then they fall short. Not bid'ah as it relates to something new in the deen, but it was something new that was done in his khilafah that wasn't done prior in the khilafah of Abu Bakr. Because once the Prophet didn't come out that, that last night, then the Sahaba, they, they pray separately. There was no praying behind one. Everybody just would pray by themselves or a group here, a group here, maybe one person here, like that. And everybody just, you know, did it like that until the Khilaf of Umar when he gathered the people behind one Imam. So the statement of Umar is not a proof that there is good innovation in the deen because the statement is to be understood from the linguistic meaning of innovation, meaning something new. And it was as it relates to his Khilafah because they were not doing it. And not uh, that there was something new in the deen because the Prophet himself did it. And then you have other narrations or the narration about praying behind the Imam until he finishes and he gets the reward for praying the entire night. Ibn Taymiyyah, he said, هَذِهِ تَسْمِيَ لُغَوِيَّةً لَا تَسْمِيَ شَرْعِيَّةً He said, this statement or this naming of the act to be bid'ah is from the linguistic aspect and not from the legislative aspect. That's Ibn Taymiyyah's explanation of what Umar ibn Khattab, he stated. And the scholars, they mentioned how and the bid'ah has is two, is two meanings or two categories. From one angle, innovation is innovation as it relates to the sharia. Like the statement of the Prophet, every innovation is misguidance. And then you have innovation as it relates to the linguistic meaning, like the statement of Umar, this is a good bid'ah. That's the statement of Al-Hafid ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir. Another proof that's used to say that there is good innovation in the deen 
is the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam: "Man sanna fil Islam sunnatan hasana, falahu ajruha wa ajru man amila biha baada min ghairi an yankus min ujurihim shay. Wa man sanna fil Islam sunnatan sayyia, kana alaihi wizruha wa wizru man amila biha min baadi." من غير أن ينقص من أوزارهم شيء. And this hadith is in the Sahih of Imam Muslim. That whoever sets a good precedence in Islam, then for him is the reward of it, and the reward of the one who does it after him without decreasing anything from their rewards. And whoever sets an evil precedence in, in Islam, then upon him is the sin of it, and the sin of whoever does it after him without decreasing from their sins anything. So here they say. The Prophet said, "Man sanna fil Islam sunnatan hasana," meaning bid'ah hasana. Whoever sets a good bid'ah in Islam, then he gets the reward. That's how they interpret the narration. This is rejected. That's one reason why it's rejected. Everything, yes, in the Deen. But another reason why the that interpretation is rejected, number one, as the Shaykh mentioned, the Prophet himself said all innovation is misguidance. And the Prophet's speech is not going to contradict one another because what the Prophet spoke with is from Allah. And what comes from Allah is clear, and there's no contradictions in what Allah has legislated. As Allah mentions, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ وَلَوْ كَانَ مَا عِنْدِي غَيْرِ لَا لَوَجِدُوا فِي اخْتِلَافٍ كَثِيرًا Do they not ponder over the Qur'an? And had it been from other than Allah, they would find many discrepancies, many contradictions in it. So likewise, just as we don't find any contradictions in the Qur'an, there are no contradictions in the Sunnah because the Sunnah is from Allah. That's number one. Number two, you have to look at What's connected to that narration? What's connected to the narration is that there were some Muslims who came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he seen them in a poor state. They were very poor. They had their weapons hanging around their necks. They barely had clothing. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam this this bothered him. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he got up and he gave an admonition to the Muslims about the importance of looking after the Muslims and giving charity and taking care of the Muslims. So what happened was. Some Muslims came and they started to give sadaqah. After the Prophet sallallahu he gave that speech, seeing the state of those poor Muslims. So Muslims started to give sadaqah. And then one from amongst the companions, he came with like two like bags of, of, of gold. And he placed it down. And then when the people seen this, it encouraged them to start giving. So people start giving more. So then the Prophet said, whoever sets a good precedence in Islam, 
For him is the reward, right? And the reward of those who do it after him, and it doesn't decrease anything from their reward. So the Prophet made the statement in relation to the people giving sadaqah or doing an act that is already legislated, and then it encourages others to do the act. But here's the thing. Is giving sadaqah bid'ah? No. No, it's legislated. Allah encouraged. Throughout the Quran. Oh, you who believe, spend from that which we have given. I mean, there are many texts in the Quran and in the Sunnah about giving sadaqah. Right? The Prophet says, give sadaqah or fear the fire even if it's with half of a date of sadaqah. Half of a date you give in sadaqah to protect yourself from the fire. So sadaqah, giving sadaqah is highly encouraged in the deen. So this matter of the Prophet saying, Man sanna fil Islam sunnatan hasana, this is in relation to someone doing something that's already legislated in the deen. And when a person does it, others see it and then it encourages them to do the good or others hear about it and it encourages them to do good nothing new no no it's not, nothing new because the, the prophet said fill Islam right and then he says something that is good innovation is not good innovation is evil so it cannot be used to say that there is good innovation uh, in the deen also none of the sahaba radiallahu anhu majma'een Interpreted that hadith to mean good innovation in the religion. Because Abdullah bin Mas'ud, when he criticized the people, they said, we only wanted to do good. He didn't say, yeah, you're right, what well, the Prophet did say, whoever sets a good precedence. No. The good is meaning what Allah legislated as being good. Right. A good is what the Prophet ﷺ taught the people as being good. Good is not what you believe to be good. What you think is good. Because you may think something is good, but with Allah it's evil. And without a doubt, for a person to make up a new practice in the religion, a new belief in the religion, a new statement in the religion, and Allah did not legislate it in the Quran, nor did the Prophet speak with it in the Sunnah, or do it in the Sunnah, or believe it, then this is not something that is good. It is something that is rejected. Also, the Prophet said, whoever sets an evil precedence in Islam, meaning that whoever does something evil, and then Muslims follow that, the person gets the sin. The person gets the sin. And it's similar to the statement of the Prophet ﷺ in relation to the son of Adam. That any time somebody kills somebody unjustly, the son of Adam, the sin goes back to him. Because he was the first one to establish killing someone unjustly. And look, he used the word sunnah. He is the first one who started that act of killing someone unjustly. The word here, sunnah, sunnah comes from that word. But that's not something good. 
What it means here, sunnah meaning to do something, to set a precedence. Right. He's the first one to set that evil precedence of killing someone unjustly. So now whoever kills somebody unjustly afterwards, the sin goes back to him. No, say that again, Shay. Huh. Shaitan, you know, he causes division between the people and turn the hearts against one another. And so these are some of the responses to those who use that narration. Yes? It's time? Okay, Tayyip, inshallah. We'll stop at this point. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And whatever is incorrect, it is for myself. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha ila anta staghfirukum wa tublimik.